0: You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Daniel chapter 1? Daniel chapter 1, and if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we have free Bibles that are available at our uh, Connect area in the lobby as well. Okay, Today we are in week number 2 of a series that we're calling Life Together, where we're talking about all about the importance and the necessity of community. Uh, but let's be honest right from the jump that community and relationships, uh, it's not always easy, right? Like relationships have a way of being like our greatest source of joy and at the same time being our greatest source of pain. And relationships are not easy just in general, but especially in the 21st century in the United States. In fact, last week we learned that we are living in the most individualistic culture in human history. Uh, Sociologist Robert Bella actually has a name for it, and he calls it radical individualism. And he says that this radical individualism is actually the defining trait of Americans. And author Joseph Hellerman in his book, When the Church Was a Family, he says this, that we in America have been socialized to believe That our own desires, goals, and personal fulfillment ought to take precedence over the well-being of any group to which we belong. The immediate needs of the individual are more important than the long-term health of the group. Now, that is a picture of this radical individualism. That's what it looks like. But we have to understand that that life actually comes at a cost. That that life, living life with this radical individualism, it has a price tag. And that price tag is loneliness. Author and pastor John Mark Comer, he puts it this way, that the shadow of individualism is the pain of loneliness. And all the research and all the data that's out right now literally tells us that Americans are the loneliest people in the world. If you didn't know, loneliness has literally been declared a national epidemic. And my goal in this series is to shine a bright spotlight into what's really going on in our culture today and how that's affecting us and try to convince you that one, it's not working out. And number two, that God's way of life is so much better because he says this in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, he says, it isn't good for us. It's not good for people to be alone. And by the way, read through your Bible and start with Genesis chapter one. The very first thing, That God says that isn't good is right there. It's that verse. And the first thing that God says isn't good is being alone. Listen, God never designed life to be lived alone. From the very beginning, from day one, he created us to be connected. He created us to be in community. He created us to live life together. And we've chosen as a team to strategically put this series right before one of the biggest things we've ever done as a church. And that is launching of our life groups, which is our brand new year round groups model that starts next month in February. We decided that we were gonna take an entire series to talk about the importance and the necessity of community. And I just want you to know that this is something that we are working really hard right now behind the scenes, that we've been working on this as a team for over a year to make sure that we're ready to be able to launch this really well. And let me just tell you, I am so excited excited for these to start. Like I believe with all my heart, this is no fluff, I believe with all my heart that this has the ability to be the most significant thing that we've ever done as a church. I think it has the potential to completely change your life. I think it has the potential to help you get more connected to other people than ever before. And most importantly, I think it has the potential to help you grow as a follower of Jesus and as a disciple of Jesus, Like never before. And our dream with our life groups is that you would experience what we're calling biblical community. And here's our definition of that that you would experience a group of people that I'm intentionally following Jesus with. I'm telling you, you need this. And I want you to know. That our church is going all in on you experiencing this in 2024. If we get one thing right this year, which I hope we get a lot of things right. But if we get one thing right, I want it to be this. And here's why. You ready? Because we need it. Because everything in our culture is screaming that we need this. Like, we need this. You need this. I need this. I don't care who you are. I don't care your age. I don't care your stage of life. I don't care if you're a newborn parent and it's super hard to do anything outside of just the normal daily routine. I don't care what your personality type is. If you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, we all need this. Just like the air right now that we're breathing in our lungs to keep us alive, I'm telling you, we need this biblical community. And uh, today, you pick one of the things about today that makes it so awesome that you're here is right after this service at 12:45, uh, we're having a life groups vision meeting. And we've had a lot of different meetings about life groups, but this is just a very short meeting that's designed to just give you the whole vision, to tell you all about it. It's not showing up and you're signing up. It's not showing up and you're gonna lead something. No, all this is, is just an ability for you to be able to hear the full vision in detail to maybe ask some questions that you have. And so I wanna invite you to be able to hang out with us after this service, we'll have food available for you. um, And it's right out these doors to the right. Would love for you to be at this meeting today that's right after service, okay? Now this week, I'm so excited to dive into God's word because we're gonna take a look at three guys in the book of Daniel who were committed to this principle. They were committed to community. They were committed to living life together. And I want us to see how that decision to be committed to that actually change and impacted their life cuz i think if we commit to it it'll change our life in the same exact way. So today if you're taking notes which i hope you are, i want to share a message that i've simply entitled the benefits of community. That's what we're going to talk about today, the benefits. Now, there are some some hard things about community and we'll talk about those later, but today we're going to keep it positive and we're going to talk about the benefits of community. And before we jump into the text. Let me give you a little bit of context before we read. In, in 605 BC, the nation of Israel was taken captive by another nation called Babylon. And this was the world's superpower at the time. It was a very secular, godless nation. And when they conquered Israel, they began to take Jewish young men back to Babylon as slaves. And that's where we pick it up in Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And it says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Now, most scholars believe uh, that who they were looking for was young men between the ages of 15 and 16 years old. And then they said, make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning, that they're smart, that they're gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. In other words... What they're saying is, I want you to go find the best of the best. So find the very top, find the best, the most talented. Find the best of the best and then train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Now here's why that is so significant. Because what they're saying is that I want you to go find the best of the best and then I want you to immerse and indoctrinate them In all things Babylonian culture, what their goal was, was to get all of Israel out of them so that they could get all of Babylon into them. And so they said, I want you to train the best of the best in all the language and the literature of Babylon. And then in verse 5, it says, they were to be trained this way for three years. And then they would enter the royal service, Daniel. And then we get introduced to the guys that we're going to look at today, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, that name. And then it says Hananiah was called, and maybe you know these names a little bit more. Maybe you grew up in church and you know these names. Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Now, here's the deal. We don't know exactly when these guys got connected. The Bible doesn't tell us the exact time that they met each other we, we and, and when they got connected and when they started doing life together. Like we don't know when they became friends. They all came from the same tribe. And so maybe they grew up together in Israel and they were then they were connected since they were little kids or maybe, they met each other when they were taken to Babylon as slaves. Now, we we don't know that, but here's what we do know. We do know that for three years during their training, they did day-to-day life together. For three years, they were connected. For three years, they were living life together and that they were in community. In fact, this week, as I was studying these three guys, I noticed something so interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen this, in the book of Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are never mentioned individually. They're always mentioned together. So in the book of Daniel, they are mentioned 18 times and all 18 times they are mentioned together. There's not one verse in the entire Bible that's just about Shadrach. There's, there's no verse that just talks about Meshach. There's nothing, there's no detail that's just about Abednego. But here's what I want you to see that these guys, they were committed, committed, heart and soul to community and to living life together. Like they went through everything together. They went through the good, the bad, the blah, everything in between. They went through the boring and the mundane together. They went through hard together. They celebrated together. They walked through conflict now, the text doesn't tell this, but I guarantee you, if they were doing day-to-day life for three years, at some point, somebody got on somebody's nerves. At some point, there was some level of conflict that they had to walk through. And the reason why I know that is because people are not perfect, right? Like, people are not God. And so anytime that there's community, there's, there's going to be moments of imperfection. And so they walk through that together. They went to school together, they studied together, they learned together, they grew together, they had fun together, they got in trouble together. And if they really were between the ages of 15 and 16 who have brains that doctors through modern technology and research have included that are not fully developed, no doubt they did some dumb things together, no doubt. In fact, just by show of hands, because I'm curious, how many of you, the dumbest things that you've ever done in your life has been with your friends? Come on, let me see those hands. Yeah, me too. Isn't it funny how life works that way? The dumbest things that we do are often with our good friends. I've got so many stories. I I don't have time to share any of them. I got so much content today. Just hang around here for the next 40 years and I promise you, I'll share some of those stories. But let me just put it this way. It is a miracle that your boy is not in jail, okay? That <laughs> didn't do that. So it's all because of my friends. But I want you to see when you look at these three guys' stories, I want you to notice and lock in on the fact that they were committed to community, that they were committed to living life together. And as I look through their story story, this week and in preparation for this message, I began to see that commitment led to benefits. In fact, I wanna share just three benefits of community. And here's number one, I see it in their story, that our community, it affects our future. I want you to write that down. Number one, our community affects our future. And we actually see this principle all throughout the Bible. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, walk with the wise, live life every single day with, with wise people, and guess what'll happen to you? You'll become wise, associate with fools, and that'll lead to you getting in trouble. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 it says, bad company, it actually corrupts good character. Listen, we have to understand that your community and your relationships, the people, that are in your life affect your future way more than what you know. Because when you read their story, you see that their futures were drastically affected by the relationships that they had with each other. Let me show you this, in Daniel chapter one, it says this in verse 18, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, so when that three years of training was up, the chief of staff brought all the young men to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, And the king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they, together, they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And then later, in Daniel chapter 2, in verse 49, Daniel gets a promotion. And listen to what his response after he gets promotion. It says that at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. So Daniel got a promotion. He says, Wait, I've got to help my other friends be able to go where I've gone, and they need to be able to have a promotion. Listen, their community with each other affected their futures. Like they pushed each other. They made each other better. They had each other's backs. They advocated for one another. They went further together than they ever could have gone alone. Now, 2024, is actually a very big year for me. It's a significant year. It's one of those years where it just seems like there's all these major markers in my life and in my family's life. Uh, for one, my wife and I, we are celebrating 20 years of marriage this year. Come on, somebody. 20 years. Uh, that my, my sons have big birthdays this year, but also it's a very significant year for me because this year in June actually marks 25 years that I've been following Jesus. 25 years ago, I went all in with God. And um, I grew up in church, but like 25 years ago, I went all in with God and I haven't looked back since. And so it's 25 years, but I've also uh, hit, I'll hit 20 years of full-time ministry this year. And so one of the things that I've learned with both of those things, both with following Jesus personally for 25 years and and by being in full-time ministry over the last 20 years, if you were to ask me, what are some of the biggest things that you have learned in that time. Let me tell you what will be in the top five. It's this principle right here. Your relationships will determine the quality and direction of your life. I'm telling you, that is something that I've learned. And it's true. I have put this to the test. Your relationships, my relationships, they will determine the quality of your life and the direction of your life. And I'm convinced of this now more than ever, more than any other thing. And if this is true, guys, if this is true, then I want the people closest to me to love Jesus. I want the people closest to me to love the church. I want people who love God's word, who love people who are generous, who are passionate, who aren't apathetic, people of courage, people of faith, people of joy, people of conviction, people who always push me to live for God, always push me to follow Jesus and who have a way of making me better in every single area of my life. I'm telling you, I want my relationships to look like this verse in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That's what I want my relationships to be. And by the way, that's not always pretty. Some sparks fly whenever iron sharpens some iron. It doesn't always feel great, but I'm telling you, we need it. We need our relationships with that because it drastically impacts and affects our future. Our community, it affects our future. Here's the second thing I see in this story, and that is that our community also, it affects our faith. Not only does it affect our future, but our community affects our faith. If you read a little bit further, in Daniel chapter 3, it really is the most well-known story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is the one that you were probably taught in VBS. This is the story that was immortalized in this classic episode of Veggie Tales. Come on, how many you grew up on Rack, Shack, and Benny? Come on, is this taking you back right now? It's taking you back. The, the theology of Veggie Tales is so good. It shaped a generation, it really did. And this is the story in Daniel chapter three. Rack, Shack, and Benny is what we're talking about. And in Daniel chapter three, if you read through it, you see that Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon at the time, he makes this gold statue of himself and he, and he passes this law that every person in Babylon, no exceptions, is to bow down and worship this statue when a certain song is played. But when you read through it, you see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse to bow. When everybody else, Would bow down. They had the conviction and the courage to stay standing. And when the king finds out that these three guys aren't bowing down at the appropriate time, he loses his mind. In fact, let's read this in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, he flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in to the king, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance. Just in case you didn't understand, I'll give you one more shot to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But... If you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. You will lose your life. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And then listen to their immediate response. Listen to their faith. Very next verse, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, pause, pause, Which one of them talked? Was it Shadrach? Was it Meshach? Oh, Abednego, he just, he had a way with words. It must've been him. The Bible, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all three of them replied. So did they say it in unison? Have they been practicing? Did they just decide, okay guys, we've been practicing for this back in our room. So on the count of three, let's one, two, no. Maybe, I mean, maybe. Or were they so unified? Were they so on the same page? Were they so one in heart? Were they so on the same mission that when one of them spoke, they all spoke? I don't know. But I do know that the Bible says that they all replied, and here's what they said. Listen to the faith. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. I love that, even if he doesn't faith. And I had this thought preparing for this week. I wonder if they would have had the same faith, that same courage, that same conviction, if they were alone. If it was just Shadrach, Would that have been the response? That was just Meshach, just Abednego. Would they have had the same faith, that same courage, that same conviction? See, I believe it is so much easier to take a stand for what's right when you stand together. In fact, write down this principle. Commitment, conviction, and courage are stronger in community. That is a true principle. I'm telling you. Commitment, conviction, and courage are stronger in community. And by the way, that's what we need. We, as followers of Jesus right now, we need all three of those now more than ever because long gone are the days of cultural Christianity. Long gone are the days when Christianity is simply this neat compartmentalized part of our lives this hour on Sunday morning. Long gone are the days when you just would check off a religious box casually and then be halfway in and halfway out. The world that we live in demands that those days are long gone. And right now, I'm telling you more than ever, we need commitment conviction, and courage. And all three of those are so much stronger in community. The late, great Billy Graham, he put it this way, that courage is contagious. That when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. We need that so bad. Our community, it affects our future. Second, our community affects our faith. And then number three, our community affects our freedom. It does. It affects our freedom. Because even though they had that, but even if he doesn't, faith. They still got thrown into the furnace. They still got thrown into the fire. But look what happens next in Daniel chapter three, starting in verse 23. It says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... And notice this detail, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men and most scholars Believe almost unanimously that the fourth man was Jesus in that fire. Let me just encourage some of you that are going through something hard right now. You're going through something challenging right now. It feels like you're walking through a fire right now. Can I tell you with full confidence that Jesus is right there with you? And it says, I see you. I see, I see four men, but listen to this detail. Listen, oh, this is so good. Circle it in your Bible. Unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a God. So listen, did you catch it? They went into the fire together, securely tied. But then they came out of the fire together, unbound. Listen, we were never designed to go through the fire alone. We were all designed to go through fires together because when we go through the fire together, we find freedom. I don't know if you know this, but God's plan for your freedom is actually other people. Let me show you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it's an amazing verse. And it says, if we confess our sins, talking about if we confess our sins to God, it says, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And this is what happens at, at salvation. This is what happens when we give our lives to Jesus. This is what happens when we get saved. We confess our sins to God, we confess our need for God. We confess the fact that we cannot clean up ourselves, that we can't do it by ourselves, that we need a savior. This is what happens. And when we make that confession, it says he purifies us. And the original language is where we get that line where it says he makes us white as snow and he makes us that clean, that pure, and that he literally takes away all unrighteousness. That means all the ways that we are not right before God and that he takes it away. That's what happens at salvation. But The Bible actually talks about another confession. And this is what it says in James 5, 16. Confess your sins, not just to God, but to each other and pray for each other. Why? Because it's to experience something totally different so that you may be healed. Let me say it this way. According to God's word, we go to God for forgiveness And then we go to God's people for healing. That we go, it's two different confessions. That we go to God for forgiveness. So maybe you're here and you need forgiveness of your sins. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe right now you're far from God and you need to go before God and say, God, I need you. And he can, in a moment, in an instant, that he can forgive you, make you clean, take away all unrighteousness, but you still need to experience that other one. And I'm telling you, for some of you, this is why you are forgiven, but you're not healed. For some of you, you're forgiven, you're saved, but you're not free. This is why for some of you, you repeat the same sin over and over again, why you're in the same cycle all over again, because every single time you mess up, you only go to God. Now, please hear me loud and clear. God is always full of love. He's always full of grace. He always is full of forgiveness. He will always give you another chance. There's nobody more patient, more faithful, more compassionate more merciful than our God. He will give you unlimited chances. He will never, ever, 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 ever reject you. And he will forgive you each and every time. That is the God that we serve. But that doesn't mean that you'll be free. It doesn't mean that you'll be healed. It doesn't mean that you experience breakthrough because God's plan for you to experience those things is not just that you go to him. It's also that you go to other people. We need each other. We need each other. In fact, why don't you look at the person beside you and just confess that, say, I need you. Tell them, tell them I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. Listen, our community, it affects our future. It affects our faith and it affects our freedom. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.